3: Well, well, well. Hello, episode 170. Here we go.
0: Here we go. We're back. We're underway. We're underway. Gentlemen. underway. <clears throat> Here we As are. As always, how is the nighttime treating you this Monday evening? It's pretty cool. It's, I think today was one of the best weather days. Yeah, it
2: felt like spring today.
1: which the sun was out well a little bit more, but it was definitely cool. And
2: Breeze kind of, is kicking up all that pollen, though. We got two... S- struggling individuals I'm dying in
1: I woke up Yeah I, woke up. I was
0: gonna say You can tell it's spring Because you have to like Wake up and drain your face Every morning For 10 minutes Before you walk out The It looks door. like
3: St. Patrick's Day in Chicago Here with all the green In the
0: Oh the man gonna say, Stuff insane. coming out of your nose Yeah like, I don't know if I needed The visual <laughs> Andrew But it was effective No no I'm I meant like one The one green, the the I, green th- thought you, I thought the you thought You kiss I'm the on the, the same page Yeah as I thought you meant
3: dude I mean I guess you could Hey I guess I'm just That good with it No I meant like The green Holland everywhere on the street in the water like if if it rains you see just like floods of
0: green floods of green yeah I get that I just thought you meant like the river of snot coming out of people's (laughs) faces which I've seen that's it's a thing I've seen it on the train someone a foot away from me You am to dodge that look it's kind of a bummer but we have to start the episode with a goodbye uh and that is a goodbye to Southampton Football Club who for a while I thought I'd never see go down I mean it was in the writing on the wall for quite some time now, but uh, so long, South Anton, Are you guys, you guys sad to see him go at all?
3: I, I am. I, I think they're yeah. a, a club that... Th- they have one of the best fan bases probably in world football and their rise to the Premier League and their mainstay for the course of, I think it was, if I'm correct, upwards of over a decade. I think it was 20, 2012 they came up or 2011,
2: uh, I think they had 11 years top flight, like, something like that. Yeah, so th- they've
3: <laughs> they've had over a decade in the top flight, and we've seen some great teams, great players come in and out of the squad. Um, they're known for developing great talents for the Premier League, even before their um, ascent to the Prem. So it's going to be sad to see them go down. They have a list of players that are still big names, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go and where they end up. Um, and yeah, it's it's a sad day. Um, for for a you know, I think a beautiful club to support and
1: one to a fun one to watch. It's definitely one of those clubs where like you're like, Oh, I'm a Southampton fan, you're like, Wow, wow. You're, you you love the on. you love the game. You <laughs> guys exist. That's crazy. Yeah. Never met one of you lot before. Yeah, like, wow, you love the game, don't you?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're just in it for a boots up slide tackle <laughs> yeah. on Sunday morning, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Connor, Jalen, are either of you less sympathetic than Andrew? Or are either of you maybe happy to see one of the big big guns get recycled, one of the main go down?
2: No, I think I'm it's sad to see him go. Like the the wow. days of they've had like a couple identities, I feel like, when they've been in the Frem and they've had so many such a variety of players. Like they had the duo up top of Tadic and Grazio Pele where they like Scored some really beautiful goals. There was Gabby Adini that played for them. I'm also gonna miss them being a Liverpool fan because they were a talent factory for us yeah, while was, they were that in. That was, that was
1: Liverpool B for like three years. Yeah, we had.
2: I mean, Lolana came through. Um, Hendo's a Southampton guy. You yeah. have Sadio Mane, Ricky Lambert. I was gonna say that, Ricky Lambert uh, came though? from fucking Southampton. I
0: think uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, Van Dyke. I think he was uh, Southampton oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Nathaniel right. Klein Lovren. was another guy. Lovren.
2: Yeah, so that's the biggest miss. But maybe we could kind of reignite the flame when they go back down to the championship and get some young young bucks coming through.
3: They also were uh, they fed a couple players to United. They had Morgan Schneiderlin Schneiderlin come through. Oh, they had they had Luke Shaw come through. Um, I think I'm missing one more. But they also had like big time managers, Ronald Koeman and Maurizio Pochettino. So. While we talk about players, there's also managers that also had had built great oh. careers there and great push offs from there, a good stepping stone for managers, um, not in a negative sense, more of like they developed a lot of really really good managers and gave
2: them opportunities to move to the next stage in their career. So, oh, man, throw Hassan Hothol in there, bro. Oh, yeah, I, like, I mean, obviously not a big name compared to the two that Andrew stated, but like he was a long time like manager for them, and I think he did a really good job, and like it was kind of that was the. Beginning of the downward trend for Southampton was when they let him go, and you're like, "Yeah, this doesn't seem like it's gonna all end too happily." I guess Bale, Bale,
1: Gareth Bale. Came from, yeah, came from, the, came from the. Came from He was playing left back then.
3: He actually had a very, very poor. Um, t- like he, there was a run when like every time he played, they lost, and it was like a superstition. Uh, Tristan, I think you might remember that, but oh yeah, it was like a, it was like a thing in his career where like they, he played and they would lose and it was like consistent. It's one of those football superstitions, I guess, but that's crazy. Yeah. I, mean,
1: Spurs, I don't really care that they went down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for Jay, all that, I was going to say, I sometimes you
0: have, you have vendettas against teams. I feel like I have so no vendetta. It's just
1: like one of those clubs that like the la- past, I, I just think it was coming the past few years. They haven't played good football in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely, a, you could see it. I don't have written on it, the it, wall. That sounds a little mean. I mean, how do you pronounce his name? How you're going to have sympathy played <laughs> he, he, play, he, he I, <laughs> David. He was a good manager. I liked him. I liked him a lot as a manager. I mean, it just sucks that yeah. eventually it didn't work out at Southampton. But you knew he it gave was us, desperate he time. Gave us
0: <clears throat> one of the great all-time gifts I will say too is when he runs out celebrating and then turns around and he's like doing the shush thing to the crowd. <laughs> it's used anytime someone's like when you do something, but then you this almost happens. So, yeah. of all of yeah. the memories that 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 he gave us, that's definitely up there uh interesting topic and you guys have sort of already already touched on it is what is going to happen with us this southampton (coughs) team now are they going to be rung dry there is a lot of talent a lot of big names i mean theo walcott someone who comes to mind
3: nathan redmond what was that nathan redmond
0: nathan redmond big name obviously james ward prowse uh there's a german defender Whose name Arm Armel Kochop is one of yep. their center backs who was on the German team and he's actually had a pretty damn good season. I would love for Spurs to sign him, but there's a, still a pretty good skeleton in this team. Do uh, you guys see them all disbanding? Do you think we might see them stick around? Southampton makes a return. This is I'm curious about this one. Redmond left uh, Southampton. Left. <laughs> Why, did you pull that name? <laughs>
1: <Yeah. out>? <laughs> I <laughs> thought he was on Norway. He left this
3: season. No, he he went to Besiktas. Oh, I went along with it. I also thought he was still so there. Like, so he left this season, so
0: that's my bad. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I missed that on the transfer too. <laughs> How'd you miss Nathan Redmond, Andrew? Jeez, come on, let's yeah, slip through the
2: cracks. Fabrizio must not have been uh up on, <laughs> yeah. up on the ball. What's the midfielder's one. name they have?
0: Lavia, Lavia, Lavia he's pretty good. April Romeo, too. Lianco, who's the guy who's apparently Lavia's Brazilian but looks like a Russian mobster, if you look at him. Like do not see the connection there, but I don't I mean Connor you you mentioned Liverpool being sort of a feeder or Southampton being a feeder club to Liverpool you think they might go after Ward Prowse he's an, ex, an affordable yeah. Jude Bellingham so I mean
2: it's there's definitely I think the team is going to fragment like I think it's kind of going to get stripped down to the bones uh, a lot of the players and the talent is going to unfortunately be poached and I think the biggest name and the highest quality player in the side is JWP as far as like what happens to him I think the current suitors are like Aston Villa, West Ham and Tottenham. Those are clubs that praise him very highly and I I think he is unfortunately going to depart. He doesn't have a relegation clause in his contract, which would mean that if a club does bid on him, that the club is that Southampton would be forced into accepting the bid. That's not in James James Ward-Prowse's new contract, which he signed last season. But it's going to be expensive for Southampton to pay him. I think it's a 100,000 pounds a week. So, like, in second-flight football, I just don't know that that's great business. So, hopefully, they can collect a fee if they sell them. They turn down a fee from Ashton Villa, I think – Last transfer window for twenty five mil, but he's going to be a big player that goes. And then I think some of the other younger talents will depart too, like Lavia. I think he'll get scooped up. I don't know about Bella Kochap. Co- um, I could even see like Liveramento leaving, like those kind of guys where they've. I forgot about him. Is- had Did Chelsea him?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think they got rid of him.
2: Is he a Chelsea player? I thought he was. What's his name Maybe was? Not. No, um, <clears throat> the forward Broja.
1: Broja was. Yeah, that Liveramento was too. Might have been. But I,
3: yeah, I mean, I think. Um, Were you done? Sorry.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jay Adams. Yeah. I think he's a championship striker. Yeah, For he's sure. a Chelsea guy.
3: He's a Chelsea guy. Liveramento was. I, I think. Uh, I think JWP would fit really well at Tottenham.
0: Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? We haven't scored <laughs> yeah. a free kick goal in like six seasons. I, I, I would love that. That's absolutely business that I think. Would would and should get done. Uh, I think he will, like you guys have said, he won't be cheap. And that's something that Daniel Levy and co. Have struggled with greatly. The idea of someone being expensive. Uh, I do want to, before we discuss him at Spurs, though, you mentioned the other two teams, Aston Villa and West Ham. And I don't want to knock either of those clubs, but would I be overstating JWP's ability if I said, I feel like if he went to either of those clubs, anybody at the top of the table would have missed out on him? Like, do you, do you guys not see him fitting in at a club like Liverpool or a club like, probably not Chelsea, but like City or like United? Not that any of them have necessarily been connected, but if he ended up at Villa, would any shred of any of you be thinking, yeah you really could have taken a bit more of an upward leap than that, right? I think maybe like two years ago, yes.
3: It's just because he's like teetering, I guess, through his prime years. Like, he's getting through them now. So, it, yes and no, because it, he probably only has like, a few years left in his prime, where, like, if he, if it was two years ago, I think you'd have a lot more JWP to kind of pull out of his game and, and, and obviously get your money's worth for him. Um, but yeah, I still think he has the capabilities to, he, I think his technical ability is up there. He just has been playing in a side that has been struggling the last few seasons in the Premier League to, to stay up. So
1: I don't know. I, I, I think if he went to Villa or West Ham, there would be like, a good chance of him starting, and I wouldn't want him to waste his talents and get a big money move to one of the top six, and then just waste away on the bench. I mean, it that's could fair. the same thing happened to Calvin Phillips. I'm not comparing their technical ability, but like, yeah, a player like that who just went to a big club and he just wastes away. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't really want that to happen. I
2: think it's it's so tough because West Ham had such a down year, so I think that's like, I mean, they could still win in a European trophy, but um. I think I like him as an Aston Villa or West Ham guy. I think, like Jalen's saying, he'll get a lot of time. I do feel it would be a miss, though, for big clubs. Like, I, I think you look at Chelsea as just a mess, but like, even not City. Maybe Arsenal, like, he'd be a really good eight because I think is going to depart. I think he could kind of slide into that. He also kind of, like, with his technicality, kind of reminds me of an Arsenal-esque midfielder. But they already have Jorginho, and they're, like, the same player. Yeah, but I like, think is way better. like a Wilshire-type player, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. Like, technically-wise. I mean, Wilshire's a bit more of a dribbler, but, like, the ability for him to pick a pass or put a ball in on a set piece or whatever it may be, one-touch passing... Um, threw balls in. I think he could be that Wilshire type player that actually lived up to the talent. Yeah. But in an Arsenal kit. So, like,
2: I do see yeah. it as a slight miss for big clubs, and you're not going to get a more proven Premier League player. There's not a more proven Premier League player on the market. And despite him coming at a cost, I don't think Southampton have much wiggle room for negotiations because they're going to be desperate to get any funds that they can. And this is kind of the last season that I think they can collect any sort of positive income yeah like they're only gonna get a net positive from him this season like no one's gonna go ahead and he's gonna pop up and buy him next year you know what i mean and it'll probably be i see like a 45 million dollar fee as like kind of fair for him 40 he might go for a lower i mean i'm thinking lower lower, dude southampton can negotiate though because he doesn't have the relegation they turned down a 25 million dollar bid to Aston Villa, well, that's when they were in the prime. They're gonna, yeah. but they're gonna, but we're going okay. They me have meet in the middle, thirty-five. They have
3: negotiated, <laughs> but Tristan, you, Tristan, back to your thing, your statement of, um, he wouldn't be so expensive. Like he, he would be kind of pricey, but I think he wouldn't be. Like he wouldn't be that expensive for the type of player you're getting. And I think it'd be like thirty to thirty-five million. That
2: oh, like people could, bar- they don't have the bidding power. Oh yeah, they're no, going down. Like right. and South or Tottenham should do that business yeah. if they can get Kulu and JWP for a combined fee of like sixty-five. Bro, that would be like the best. Uh, best yeah, you, you can ever, you can bro. shit on Spurs
0: all you want, but you're absolutely right. That would be legitimately really good business to have yeah. gotten done. And a center back. I think go, like going into this whole thing, I think my stock on him was like maybe way higher than it should be like when we were talking about selling prices the number right away in my head was 50 mil (laughs) and then you guys said 35 mil and i was like no that sounds like it would probably make a little bit more sense but with him i just think about the free kicks we haven't talked about the free kicks once they've been down very very recently but he's got to be still top three in the world in the last like four or five collective seasons so he can still go out there and bang one so that's true that's why i would i think he'd be valuable but who knows who knows so closing thoughts you think he's gonna go for 30 35
3: I think Tottenham get him for 35 million I say he goes to Villa but
1: 35 I say West Ham sells Declan they grab him for like nothing it.
0: <laughs> that's three and also three different answers credit to you guys now nah, that sort of screws me over because those would be the three options I I don't think it'll work out well enough that it'll end up at Spurs. There's just too much uncertainty at that club right now. I actually think the more I think about it, Villa would be a great fit. Plus, to your point, Jalen, he can probably slide in right away. His role might not even really change all that much in terms of his creativity and technicality. But that's an interesting one. There's quite a few guys, but we'll have to see. Interesting uh, incident happening. Uh, And I don't remember if they were home or away this game, but um, Eddie Howe was approached out of nowhere by a fan who actually made his way virtually across the entire stadium. I think he was seated on the other side. Obviously not that he walked across the middle of the field. That's different, but post game, I think Eddie Howe handles it really well. He says he mentioned something to me. I won't repeat for obvious reasons, but the thing that stuck with me and then I will flip it over to you guys was, during his press conference that I think he was asked like what it was like or what he was feeling. And he mentioned he did it, it. was all so quick. He didn't even have time to be scared. Like think about being in his position where it's not even fear is your immediate response. It's just shock. It's like, wh- who are you and what are you doing here right now? Like he was literally moments from looking in from the touchline and then turning and seeing this dude, but it does beg the question of stadium security. You know, not that I'd, I, we need to be super profound here, but do you think, did this shed some light on, on it being an issue overall? What were your thoughts on this situation as it sort of unfolded?
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure they were, I'm pretty sure Newcastle was away. I think it was at Ellen Road.
0: You're right. It was Leeds, and Leeds banned the guy for life. They yeah, were away. Also, yeah, they were in like. Yeah.
1: When I was watching it live, I was like, who is this guy? Like, it literally panned to Eddie Howe. Like, it was on Eddie Howe, <laughs> and then it... Like, that guy appeared in the camera, and I was like, who is that? He had his hood up, he had everything, like, obviously it's a stadium, he doesn't have any weapons on him, he wouldn't be able to get in, but like, if that guy somehow had a weapon on him, he would have just, he could have just easily hurt him so bad. It was, he Probably, like, yeah.
0: walking across- Even punched him, even, even if he didn't have a weapon, he could have smacked his head, or kicked him, or you know, I don't, I don't know, any, really, any, all of the above, but it's just, there's no way to know, but it was, yeah, it was, it was horrifying, I-, mean, I again like is this a, a stadium security issue is this something that should have been done by stadium security should the field be less accessible to fans overall you guys know having been to games too how close and how intimate a setting of a football match really is people are really right next to the field it might sound crazy but should more distance be held what I mean I, I don't know
3: there I mean from my own experience at least at Old Trafford there was enough staff like I like maybe if I had the balls to go do it but even then, Someone should be able to stop me with the amount of people that or staff
0: there is in line the pitch, and half yeah. of them are laying down like they're getting painted in a portrait. Yeah. Of, when like there's a corner, they're all like laying on their sides like they're at the beach. I'm like, well, that's not a, a defense ready position, now is it? But, I, I think it's
3: safe to say that one of the biggest things we've seen from football stadiums and um and some like and tragic moments is like I guess just like control of stadiums, like the ability to control the masses and and that, i think that's also it, it, it i guess it's difficult to do that when there's so many people but i think there needs to be more in place when it when it comes to that i mean jalen you work at fenway like is it the same there as in like anybody can just run on the pitch Yeah, there's security but i feel like it's hard to stop anybody but also there should be things in place to be able to do it with no no issues
1: honestly like being at fenway like you if you're in right, if they're in right field, like right next to pesky pole, you're so close to those players. Like you can easily hop over and talk like security is, it's a little different than like football where like they line the entire, like there's only pretty much the ones at home plate and they're in the crowd and they're at the door, like the field doors. But like, if someone wanted to just take a running start and run on the field, they can easily do it. Yeah, it's not something Sorry. like first contact touch the ground; they're getting smoked. Like,
3: yeah, yeah. Know. So I guess it's just maybe the nature of sports. I don't know. It's just.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I was thinking about it, like from a pers- trying to think of like the perspective of a security person, and I was almost wondering if that guy just managed to be so casual that, like, <clears throat> despite what he was wearing, did security think like? oh, this guy's just, like, stro- Like he must be somebody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like the on-field staff know every individual that's allowed to be. Maybe, like, they need to start having a more clear media badge or something. But, like... I mean, that guy was in a hoodie and, like, trainers and, like, a... Still, rag- like, what does a photographer well, wear? You well, know what
1: I mean? The thing about, like, also is that when you're security, your back is too field so yeah. if that guy got on in between two like they're not gonna turn around and see him they're looking in the crowd so like he i mean but he walked across the well, bench like the, the guy's warming area? up before like, the fourth referee just probably watched him he's like man what is this guy yeah
3: seriously yeah. it definitely it could have about been way confidence.
0: worse <laughs> it's a funny thing you really can do anything as long as you look like you're supposed to be there <laughs> yeah. it's like when people like What's that old joker if you are carrying a ladder, you can get into any building because they'll <laughs> think that you're there to like do work or something. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That would have been an interesting tactic: is to carry a ladder on the field because then he really probably could have strangely blended in more. But I don't know. When I think about it, it's like the slowest walker argument. Like we all have to walk as slow as our slowest walker. So because some dumbass runs onto the field and just does some stupid shit and gets a ban for life rules have to change. That changes everyone's experience. But I think what is super unique about going to a football match is again, as I've said, how like intimate it is. And like you said, Andrew, Mm. there's still security measures in place. You can't just run out there willy nilly, but in the same or apparently you can but in the in the same vein, it's like, you know, a special part of going is feeling like you're right there and you're right on top of everybody and it's loud and it's fun and that's Uh, a huge part of it. So might like you guys said, unfortunately might just be an aspect of the game that it will happen. Got to have your head on a swivel. I mean, who knows? But I just like,
1: went up and like just shoved him in the chest. He was,
0: <laughs> he was like pointing He also like
1: whispered at him. At him. He, hit, <laughs> like, he like hit him and pointed at him. And then he like, like he yeah. walked away with his hands in his pocket like he was going to get out of the field. Like he walked yeah. away.
3: It's like it's like when the dad at like one of the angry dads and the son's not playing. And he goes up to the head coach. And he's like, put my son in. Like, and what then, are you doing? Hey, and he can
0: I, can I, uh, can I pull you over into left field for a minute? to talk, <laughs> talk to you. And the coach is like, dude, I'm 18 years old. I'm coaching 12 year olds. Please, yeah. please, please stop me. yelling at me. Yeah. We have our latest coaching shakeup. Potch to Chelsea is officially, finally, official. I think it got announced Sunday afternoon. Um, things, uh, some pen was put to paper. It was made official through ink, but. We did we did cover this uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Andrew was uh, pretty confident this is going to be a short lived stint. Uh, <laughs> I think it was. He's done. I think, it, it, Connor and Jalen were somewhere maybe in between, but uh, it is official. He will be on the Stanford Bridge touchline. Although one thing I I don't know, and I didn't do, do a ton of reading on this, but is he going to take over for Frank immediately, or does Frank still have the rest of his? I imagine they see it period? out.
1: I saw something that like Frank is still going to be like involved with Poch. Like he's like really. Like what to do with the staff? Like he's still got, he's going to play a part in that. Like, do they they have two sporting directors?
2: Beats me. Todd Bowley's probably one of them. But either way, like I, well, saw, they removed, they got rid of.
1: Yeah, they have a they joint. Got, they think. have a joint, right? Yeah. So I read that like the joint sporting directors, Frank Lampard and Potts are all going to, and obviously both joint managers. Yeah, are going <laughs> to are going to like collaborate and like kind of figure out what the hell to do with all the players that are like still there,
3: Tristan. I want to know what your take is on it as a former Tottenham, as for him being a former Tottenham manager, going to another London club, there's a rivalry of just being another London club in the history between the two. Are you upset about this move? Are you kind of like, this is just the nature of the game, business as usual?
0: Let me not understate the attachment that I feel personally to Potch, along with pretty much every other Tottenham fan. I mean, when you think about the best times as a Tottenham fan, It's not even winning anything, which is hilarious, but it's going to the Champions League final and beating Ajax and seeing Potch ripping his suit jacket off in tears, hugging everybody. They're jumping all over him, and it felt like, honestly, sadly, the last time there was love at the club, and there was genuine love for what was going on in the field and what was going on in the touchline, Uh, so I don't want to understate that at all. It was my favorite memory as a fan, and I, I love him more than anything. I want nothing but success. What I'll say in terms of him going to Chelsea, there's really only one club that would break my heart to see him go to, and I don't even need to say it because you know who it is. That's really the only club that I would feel like I was betrayed or my fanhood was disrespected. But look, it's just not a good time to be a Tottenham coach right now, especially if you're a Tottenham coach who's not who's not won anything because it's hard transfer-wise. My laptop's dying, so I have to go on my tangent as I'm plugging it in. But <laughs> Sorry, your hair looks he, good. thank you very much you know you're not going to get the signings that you want you know you're going to have to settle for uh something less than what you expect he's not won anything major so daniel levy's not going to feel like he needs to listen to him in terms of transfers if he didn't listen to conte he's not going to listen to poch uh it would just be something that i think went poorer and poorer until the day that we had to sack him again and it just wouldn't it wouldn't add to his memory at all wouldn't quite be as bad as frank but it would not be a good memory so I wish him all the best at Chelsea. I'm terrified of what they'll look like under him, but that's my tangent. It does break my heart a little bit, but it's not the same as if he went to, you know who, and I I mean, Jesus, if he can turn them around, then it's like more respect to him. And because I admire him so much as a coach, I think, I think that's great. What do you guys think about this? Maybe Frank being under him though, I guess to throw it back at you guys, because it's an easy move to shit on because of Frank's tenure so far, but we just got done talking about how coaches under pep eventually developed and got good. So Who's to say maybe Frank doesn't develop under Poch? Do you think there's any shadow of a possibility of that at all?
2: I I don't know how I see Poch and Frank meshing. I don't. I, I don't know if Frank is Weird. A part. Of, I don't know if Frank's yeah.
1: part of the staff. I just know that he is going to help, like, with there's the direction in, in which direction the, in, in, goes in. The, in, the, goes in. Some, yeah, because yeah. I'm pretty the sure club he, goes in. He's he's a big part of this, like Chelsea establishment. Like he is. Yeah. Like, he, Sticked around afterwards.
3: I guess if he were to work under Poch, I think there's a potential for him to have a career in management. But just because of his man, I think his man management is what makes him maybe the the guy that every club seems to go for when their clubs in turmoil. <laughs> but and we did see him have success at Derby for a little bit. Like he played, they played decently well with him and had some FA Cup runs. So I think there is a possibility for him to still obviously have a career there. It's just a matter of. What it will his role be, and if it is in management under Poch, then it's only a learning experience. So, um, yeah, should be interesting to see what happens.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's more of like Frank probably keeping in good graces with the club and using it just as an opportunity to learn, and probably not much more than that. Like he knows Chelsea inside and out, but I I would find it hard to believe that the operation like the operating patterns of this Chelsea currently are anything like what it was when he was at the club. So it's not even like he necessarily has insider info like he will when he speaks to poch but poch is going to know just as much as him as like how Bowly's running the show um so it's probably a good opportunity for him to learn i mean it is weird how these coaching staffs assemble like even watching the lester match today like john terry is under dean smith at Leicester. he has been
3: like,
2: though he was under dean smith at villa yeah i guess so but like how did that he's
3: been part of his coaching staff since I like guess, he retired
2: Oh, I guess I was thinking that John Terry. You know was it's at- weird?
3: Robbie Keane is under the coaching staff at Leeds United with Big Sam, I believe.
2: No oh, shit, the former really? Spurs. Yeah, that, that is, is really weird. Yeah, it's just weird seeing those like legends on the sideline of like these random ass clubs.
0: <laughs> Robbie Keane was dope, man. Yeah. He had to stand at LA Galaxy. He's a coach with Sam, Big Sam,
3: at wow. Leeds right now. Good
0: but a for him. But a staff. I mean, it, it's just again, this is something that, uh, you know, we, we've covered the possibility of happening, but it just it's like I, I, could, I could say, hey, guys, how do you think it's going to work out? And I think a lot of you guys have, have made up your minds, but it's also just so hard to determine what this Chelsea team is going to do. There's so much like admin work that needs to get done in terms of like getting rid of people, letting players go. They don't need to bring in anybody, but it's like it's, there's such a huge asterisk next to everybody who takes over this job because it seems like right now so much of it will be just like. Okay, there's a hundred names on this list, and I don't know who I'm going to... like. I know the football I want to play, but I'm sure he has somewhat of an idea. Do you think he's going to come in and immediately know who he's going to get rid of? I mean, it seems Uh-oh. like there'll be some type of gestation I don't think period. he's going to
2: have as much of a say as he'd like in that either because Bowley has done so much business. So there might be players that he wants to let go that Bowley might have just brought in, and I don't think it'll sit well across the board. So That's where I think he will no. fail ultimately. He won't give Potch full control. It's just, it's crazy how, like, I don't know how much of a step back Chelsea have taken. Because even Tuchel, when he was managing, yes, like, it was under the uncertain times of the ownership. But, like, he was tasked with so much, like, management where all he, not management, I guess, just, like, admin work. Admin work, where he just wanted to get fucking on the sideline and coach, and that's all he wanted to do. And I see Potch is very similar because of how much he loves the game. So maybe it's good that Bowley can do all the business stuff, but who knows?
0: That's yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what more how many more examples we need in the Premier League of of how when owners take over business it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. of Chelsea, I think largely of Spurs when when I think about that. It's pretty glaringly obvious that when you get a good coach and when you let him run the show and tell you which players to get. Also, this is like helped with the emergence of the sporting director role, which I think is equally as important. It's like a team like United, you know, yeah. Glazers pull you through a lot. You've been through the ringer. They've been, you've been in hard times, but man, they bring in Ten hog. He starts cooking, organizing a team he wants to actually play with. And for the millionth time, like I've said, and I'll just keep harping this. You have a trophy now, regardless of, how the season ends up and where you guys finish. But I don't know how many more examples we need in the premier league of like when some it's, this isn't FIFA. I don't care if you have $80 billion and you own the club. Like you do not know what you are doing and you do not know the ins and outs of an actual first team roster. So I love when I see clubs give managers power, give sporting directors power because time and time again, we see owners like Boley, like Levy who just, I think they just have a completely, they're completely opposite manager or owners in terms of like what the actual problem is but it just it shows a complete disconnect to one the fans but two to how the game is actually done business-wise right i mean am i oh, wrong yeah.
1: no big time yeah united had a sporting director and then he made himself the manager that <laughs> worked out well Probably. yeah nice. that's
0: different that was a, that was a different thing <laughs> he's come, come on jay Not part of the time uh, era we had some early departures. And I mean, when my team's getting whooped three nil by Brighton, I don't want to keep watching either. But uh, seemed like a few Arsenal fans, not the whole contingent, but quite a few of them were pretty much ready to call it quits uh, from a fanhood standpoint. What were your guys thoughts? Uh, and again, not to classify a whole a whole fan base, but it was a significant amount of them and it was on TV. Uh, this fuck this pissed me off. Like, I don't know. I saw it was a
2: pretty mass exodus of the stadium before the full time whistle and, like, I get it. Your team, they, like, bottle-jobbed it. Like, bottle-job FC, Arsenal choke again at a very crucial moment. They've been in horrible form down the stretch. And, like, what have they taken? Nine points from from a possible 21 over their last, I don't know how many matches. Um, seven, I guess. But... It just doesn't reflect. Arsenal fan, The Arsenal fan base already has such a reputation, too, for not being great fans. And you're finally, like, at the top. You're playing really great football. Like, you've had an incredible season, especially considering what the bar was coming into the season. Like, top four was the standard this season. You were never supposed to be in this position to be challenging for a title, especially with this City team. So to take it as far as you have, like... Why Why are you walking out on this team? And this is a team that's in the building stage. So you have to recognize as fans, like, one, be appreciative, but two, these are a lot of young players. That toys with their psyche a lot. Like, what is Saka going to think? Like, what is Martinelli going to think? Like, and say these players continue to play really well and Arsenal isn't just getting, like... They're playing well, they're getting results, but maybe they're not in contention for as many trophies as they'd like. And maybe a move comes for a soccer or a Martinelli or any of their young talents. And like seeing the fans walk out, I feel like that's going to be kind of ingrained in their memory after what they've done for the club this season, where like maybe a big club co- comes calling, like maybe Real Madrid hits Martinelli's line. And it's like, Oh, I don't know. Like there's an opportunity here. Like, I think that that's, I think it is that telling from Arsenal fans to just get up and leave, and I think it might sway into how players feel and kind of impact a little bit of what they're trying to build there. Like, Arteta's been a a stand this season for the fans, like giving everything the fans want, always being a spokesperson for the fans first, and this is kind of how he gets rewarded. I just, I don't know. Arsenal fans, I, I can't stand them. And that's why I didn't want them to win the league this year because it would have been the fucking... End of the world for any other fans ears. That's my take. Sorry. That was long winded. <laughs> uh, I agree with Connor in
3: the sense that be appreciative of what you have. I'm also not from London and I'm not, I don't have the same passion as even the United fans in Manchester. Like I, I just don't, I'm not going to live there. So it's kind of hard for me to judge. Um, it, it, it I understand why they walk out because they are so passionate that they're like it, their emotion is like so up and down. It's hard to kind of level out and think clearly when you have that much emotion for um, a team you support. But ultimately, I think what goes a long way or what we see for a lot of clubs is they have the fan base. It's just the, the performances on the pitch. In this case, it was Arsenal fan base plus poor performances. And then they finally got the performances up. Then the fans went up. Poor performances go, or start to trickle down. Fans go down. With United, fans were like, I guess for my example, United fans are always passionate. They're always supporting, no matter how, no matter what state the club is in. They're upset. They'll tell you if they're upset, but they're always like behind you. They're always with you. Performances go up. Fan base is still up there, and they they they, they rise more than the players on the pitch do. Performance goes down. The fan base stays where they are always always cheering always supporting yes they'll, they'll voice their opinions but at the end of the day they support 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 and it's yeah the odd few that maybe don't but it seems to be that Arsenal fan base is goes where the club goes in terms of performances on the pitch not not an even keel with with how with what support should be it's always support always show that you're 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 behind the team and
2: no matter what state that they're in so right i that's what i mean like i don't label that passion I, i'm not from london either but like you're saying like manchester united fans are passionate and like how you label passion is not leaving a game it's like supporting your team when you they need you most i feel like being there liverpool, at lowest, look at yeah. any other big club like any team finishing second i don't think anyone's walking out of the stadium like liverpool fans certainly wouldn't manchester united fans wouldn't Tottenham fans wouldn't i mean yeah they walked out of Newcastle, but like I get it, that's a a, that's a, that was
3: a
1: different I don't <laughs> think I wouldn't say Chelsea fans would. Well, a big example is I mean Leeds is going down. Uh, well, Leeds potentially, down. Technically, potentially, technically, but yeah. like they got smoked by Brighton, and they're still and like the commentators made a point. They're like and and they were like the Leeds fans are absolutely so loud right Nelson, now. They're they're singing, raucous. they're singing all, they're singing all the songs. They're still that no one walked out. Mm-hmm. they were there supporting like cuz they love the club yeah and like uh yeah. someone like brought up like a good point like City was like when City won the league against you guys, like they were 2-0 down. And it was like the seventieth minute. Imagine all the fans just start walking out, and then they end up winning the game. You just feel like an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't just like leave your club. Like obviously at that point, like Arsenal's not coming back from three zero down. But like oh. stay behind. Like they say, it's not. It's 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 hard for you. It's even worse for them. They're playing the actual game. They can't believe it.
2: Yeah. 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 Tristan, your yeah. Thoughts? I mean,
0: and and Jay, you make a a point of. I mean. Sure, they probably weren't gonna come back from 3 0 down, but when they were playing Southampton, I mean that that was a game where I again saw a lot of people taking off early on the Arsenal fan side and they ended up coming back that game. It ended up being a draw. I know it wasn't the result that they wanted, but you do make a great point. You don't know what's gonna happen, especially uh, you know, especially with a club like Arsenal who possess the whole goddamn they attack the whole the whole game. So you're gonna get continued chances. The more I was thinking about it, I'm thinking maybe at least in Arsenal's case it says more about the fans that go to the stadium. And I know every stadium has a fan section and all of those fan sections top to bottom are loud all game. But we talk often about how much ticket prices are. I think a lot of people who are diehards of their club who wouldn't dream of walking out of that stadium early. At least they stick around to boo. You know, that's there. There's class in that. If you're going to, if you're going to stay in boo, that's fine. But at least you stayed at the end of, it. at least you're voicing your discontent. It's like you said, Jalen with Leeds. at least they're sticking around saying, this is not okay. We don't accept dropping down to the premier league. We love you. And we want you to play at the highest level, but you know, Arsenal and same with Spurs, it's not a cheap ticket. It's, it's a, a ticket that a fraction of the city can probably afford to go to every game. So, not calling everybody who walked out of their seats some some rich a-hole who's like, I don't give a fuck. But, but at the same time, it's like if you had a fan who waits outside the stadium wearing a scarf and just waits outside in the cold, and if we could get more of those people's not just in, in, in football matches, but in, in sports overall, it's like the Super Bowl gets worse every year because they just have celebrities or people who don't give a shit about the game going to them. It's not the same VIP thing. I'm not making event. a comparison, yeah. but it, it's like, in the same vein, if you had the craziest contingent of fans out there, it probably wouldn't be the case. But I think with with how expensive tickets are, it's like somebody who feels like they're owed good football shows up and they're like, <laughs> well, th- well, this isn't the product that I bought two hours ago. <laughs> I'm going to get in my fucking Ben's and I'm going to go back home now. Like, it's just it's I think that might have been a huge part of it. But that's that's with all fans. Right. I mean, there's that pocket of people probably at all stadiums. But
3: mm-hmm. a shame, definitely.
0: It was definitely a shame, uh, no doubt about that, but Jalen had an interesting topic he wanted to bring up, and this is uh, a topic that fans like to use when they've just lost, or what they like to use as like a, a bragging rights thing. Yeah, you may have won, but we controlled the whole game. That's what you hear a whole lot. Yeah, you may have scored, but we controlled the ball the whole game. So, Jay, since this was your topic you wanted to bring up, first, I'd say if you want to reword that in any way, feel free. But also, what's your take on this? You're a Madrid guy. You guys guys sometimes play a little bit of kickball, and you get results. So what's your beef there with this phrase?
1: Well, this originated because I was talking with Connor in the European pod, and we were talking (laughs) after. And I was just like, you know, like the second half, like, again, we didn't have the ball a lot, but... We were a lot more cadence in the way we controlled the game when we did have the ball or defending. So I, I asked the guys. I was, I asked you guys. I was just like, you know, do you guys think if you hold more possession, you technically dominate the game or played the game the best? Does that always mean you were the best team just because you had the ball more? It's more like, what's your, what's your take on total football? Like the Johan Cruyff, like if you have the ball, you, you're you're in the game, you're doing everything, technical ability, all that. Like that's kind of like more what I'm talking about. I mean, like you you have to think like Mourinho. Like that he Johan Cruyff like mm-hmm. made a statement about like he doesn't play good football. He plays he wins, but he doesn't play good football.
2: Right. So like what's your take on that? <clears throat> I always believe I mean, Liverpool are a team that in recent time has held a lot of possession. So I think I've grown accustomed to kind of really appreciating it and being a victim of the phrase saying, Oh, we, we dominated the game. Like we had 70% possession and they scored on the counter. Um, I've always been appreciative of that style of football, where if you dominate, dominate a game and you hold possession, I see that as like beautiful football. And I think that is, what i measure like a good style of football um because i mean every coach growing up is always like if you have the ball like you can't lose you know what i mean like if you give them the ball they give chances and then they grow into the game um so i guess from a, a style perspective i always favor a team that possesses the ball and i think that's why i like it as much as I hate City, it's really enjoyable to watch them play because they're such a, an art in, like, breaking down a low block system. And but what if of, they don't break it down? If they don't, then, I mean, I still think that is, like, it's that's part of the creative process of football. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it takes more creativity to hold the ball and try to – work with the ball with crafty runs maybe it's a singular player that can open it up off the dribble like I think that is more I guess beautiful in a sense than a team that is just like like there's there's nothing more agitating than a team that can like pack it in and there there is an art to it like defending is an art but I think I appreciate the attacking art more, even though I'm I've been a defender. I don't know if that if that makes any sense. But Liverpool also used to be a team, like like I said, from modern times we do possess a lot of the ball. But like we used to be a team also that could be very deadly on a counter and against big sides that's kinda how we would play. So I wasn't <clears throat> as much of a fan back in those days. So I don't I don't know. I don't even know if I answer the question fully. But I I don't think that question can be answered.
3: Because I think it's subjective. Football. All right, buddy. But what's your opinion? That's my opinion. I don't think I don't think there's an answer to that question. I think so. You don't prefer one style over the other. But the, the question is, wh- what is the question? I guess.
1: Do you like? Can Manchester City still have a bad game even though they had seventy five percent possession?
0: What's dominant football to you, Andrew? What does that look like? If you see one team dominate another, what have they done ten times out of ten?
3: Yeah, I think uh, most of the time it is possession, but it doesn't mean that, like. A game plan's a game plan, and if you execute it perfectly, like that team's gonna go back to the restroom and be like, "We just dominated the game. Like we, like we did what we, our job was. Like yeah. that. Yeah." yeah and that, I agree with that. That's what I mean. So I think it's, it's it's that question just can't be. I just think there's no answer to that question. Like
1: it's, if like if Real Madrid goes and you know against City and they City held seventy percent seventy percent possession. that's a hard I can't one. Talk. That's a hard one though. And uh, but we have two shots on target, two goals. And they didn't score. Did Real Madrid just play on the counter and got lucky, or but is that
2: dominating the game, or is that just perfect execution? But did Real Madrid
1: play bad just because they didn't they executed? Not right? saying
2: they played bad, but we're talking. If you're talking about like a dominating performance, is holding twenty five percent of the ball a dominating performance? Yeah, if that,
1: if, what if you're defending well? Isn't that dominant? Yeah.
2: What if what if you're what if you're stopping Mosala every second he gets an opportunity,
3: shutting him down? Defenders are winning second balls in their own eighteen. They are like they're like stoke city to def- like just like neck breaking defending. In, there's
2: more luck in brilliant defending than there is in overwhelming attack because like, i don't agree with that
3: no i do not agree with that at all are you kidding me the ability the chance of a ball deflecting off someone's foot or a shot going wayward and and like just like the chaos of the box and players are flying at each other i think defending is a lot That's, more is a lot more calculated
2: Yeah, but you can't control like a a bounce or like you can't control those things. You can control your timing of when you go for the ball and how much how much physical force you exert in defending. I think there's control in that in the body sense, but then there's also luck from a sense of like there's luck to go two for two in a ninety minute like to take to be that clinical. Like I don't see that as dominant. I think that also like requires a little bit of luck. Like how rarely do you see a team go have one shot on goal, one goal. Like I, I, th- I know it happens, but I think it's more of a rarity and like, it does require instances of luck. If you're willing to sit in and give the ball to the other team for 70% of the time, you are gonna rec- like you can't time every challenge across 90 minutes perfectly. Like it requires more luck than it, like not necessarily more luck, but I think you can't time every attack rel- perfectly. You're relying more on luck than you are. Not more on luck, but like
0: more on luck. I don't yeah, know. More on we, luck we, is a bad we, word. Look, look, listen, here's my, ta- here's oh, yeah, my take. Here's yeah. on it, and I'm I'm curious to see what you guys think about this. It's it's sort of in direct disagreement with Andrew because where I disagree with Andrew is that it can be quantified. I totally get the take of. I mean, uh, uh, most things in football, you really can't argue to a T who's right and wrong. You're absolutely right about that. I feel like we as fans and everybody overall makes it way more complicated than it needs to be. I think there's two. It's good that we take stats, but we use them too much to decide things. I do believe that. I feel like the only one true metric to decide whether a game has been dominated or not is by big chances. That's really the, I I don't think it's really pointless, honestly, to look at most other stats and and from the possession argument, I think possession is the thing that I look at least like I, Look, whether they've been playing well or playing shit, Tottenham have been counterattacking for a long time. So I know nine times out of ten, whoever we're playing, whether it's a championship club, whether it's a Champions League winner, they're probably going to possess most of the ball and 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 have most of the total shots. But I don't know anything other than big chances that actually matters. And I know that sort of oversimplifies what you guys are debating, like, you know, but. is is defending harder than attacking, you know? And I think that's a very interesting take in looking at it, especially from guys who played and one of them attacked and one of them defended. But I mean, that's just when I, when I look at a post game stats, I'm like, really who had more chances? Because you're right. If you sit back and you're a good defender and you take those chances and use them well, like Jalen, if you have two shots on goal and it's two goals, I don't know how you argue against that, how against that efficiency, even if you got destroyed in possession or the other team had 15 shots on goal. It's like, yeah, that's whatever. ever game plan works better. That's, that's I guess, how I would put it. But uh, it's wh- a hard what question. part of that's wrong, I guess.
3: I like your point on like chances created, as in, like, it is the like, there's like a stat where it's like chances that like lead to goals. Like, it's weird. It's like a substat of chances yeah. created. It's vaguely worded. <laughs> yeah. I agree. So,
1: what is it like the XG, like expected goals? Type yeah,
3: of? like, like chances created that. Yeah, I guess maybe that is just big like chances created big chances created or something like that. But regardless, <laughs> like
0: is there really a chances created and big chances created? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I think use I think the so. big chances. Though. If that is true, then I think I'm it's wrong. like the the, the, big the closest chances. Chance. Right. chance to scoring
3: stat is a good point. I think that goes a long way in saying how you broke down a team, and then like it's down to the keeper to kind of make or like a you know like a defender that's just like. Throwing his neck into the ball, but um, yeah, it's but that, you
0: retain, but you retain the belief that it's still unquantifiable. You still can't use any method. No, I think I think that's move.
3: a. I think your point is fair. It's still, but it's hard for me to quantify it. Still, like I think it that makes sense, but I don't. I I still feel like no. I still feel like a defense I th- I feel like a defensive performance for me. I,
1: I don't know. I don't even know. My I mean, right. I hate, I'm getting I, twist. This I, is
3: a confusing conversation. <laughs> I mean, I hate
1: to like bring this up, obviously, but like when we beat you 1-0, like you had 24 chances created and nine like shots on target. Like you had 24 shots, nine shots on target. We had four and we had two on target and we won 1-0. Did we play a bad game? You didn't play bad, but you didn't dominate the game. But it's we didn't not play good. But, but again, what did it Connor, take?
0: just just interject. Based on my argument, he they did. Real Madrid would have dominated <laughs> that game. Based on Andrew's belief, it would still be. Oh, because probably, Liverpool would probably created be Liverpool, more chances. Would
2: no. But we defended. What did it but, take? Though it took a miraculous performance from who? One player, like Courtois, saved your ass in that game. Real Madrid did not execute that well in that game. You had a good. Really that's really brought up the outlier factor. Like, <laughs> what <do you> mean? <laughs> but like, if you have a sieve like, in that,
1: like obviously that's going to be hard. Which
2: team would you rather be? You would rather field that team?
1: I'd rather win the game a hundred
2: times. You no put other... you put those two teams on the field a hundred times. You're going to take a team that sat in and gets one or two chances a game out of a hundred matches. You think they're more likely to win the now, majority doesn't of matches in every game? No, but like what would you take over the course of time? If, if your team, like, which is more likely to happen if you put those two teams on the field, one team has 20% possession, two chances over the course of 10 games, which team is more dominant? Ooh, and which team is more likely to win? It depends on how you, how, like, again, how you just said. I, which game plan is easier to execute? It depends on the... Dude, it, there's you, so many other factors to that. But, like, do you do you honestly think if Real Madrid and Liverpool, say it's those two teams, played 10 matches in a row and you give Liverpool 70% possession and nine chances, nine shots on target a game versus Real Madrid's two, who do you think is going to be the winner of that match over the course of 10 games? I mean, if you hold more of the ball, then, yeah, I, I guess... So that would offer you a better foothold in the game to go but win the game. But if they
1: execute their two-on-twos, then what's to say that
2: we wouldn't win seven out of ten? I don't know. I think of like... if I, That's our game plan. Teams like that have never been labeled the dominant teams, though. Like, you look at the Barcelonas, the, all, like, the best Arsenal days. Like, those teams... We won dom- three Champions Leagues in a row off that, Connor. What are yes, you saying? I, every game wasn't as lopsided as that Liverpool game. What? Every... You have the ability to, like, dominate a single performance, but to be a dominant team, like, I I think you'd rather be the team that holds more possession. That's why I think it's hard to quantify it,
3: because every game is different, and football is so confusing a lot of the time.
2: But, like, you give yourself... I'm saying you give, like... Yes, if you execute execute it perfectly on the day, but I'm just trying to think of it, like, from, like... Almost like like a statistical probability. But
3: but I know, but that's never going to happen. So if we're looking at it from a a reality of football situation, every game is different and every scenario is different. And no matter your game plan and what you go in for, you could go in and dominate 75% possession and get nine chances created and win 3-0. You could also do that, and you can lose one nothing. So my point is, it's so hard to it's impossible to quantify because every game changes. And if we're looking at it from the most realistic perspective, if you're looking at is, singular games, yes. yeah, but that's what we're looking. But like every game is singular and different from one the from one another. You can't combine them together. Like oh, well, what if that happened ten times? And that's unfair to the argument because that's not what we're really arguing. We're arguing what do you consider a dominant game? And in, and a lot of the times, like Inter Milan, a team that was very defensive when they won the Champions League. That was a dominant... Like, you look at the fucking soldiers that were backed in the back line. One one penny in the uh, quarter in the swear jar. Uh, you look at the defenders in that back line, and you you can, you can classify that team in midfield. You classify that team as a, a dominant team, but they played so defensively, and they won off of that. And Madrid won off of that. And...
2: I can't. The list of dominant teams that hold possession is a lot longer. Though. Like, Klopp was successful off of that for a little bit, too, as well. Like, he had shown success... That's not where we want anything,
3: though. But it still can get performances. And
1: I just don't understand. Like a team can pass the ball left to right a thousand times and still quantify as seventy percent possession.
2: They didn't do anything. Yes, but it still gives you a better chance. Like, you'll we'll yes, never find there, an yes, answer. There <laughs> are there are the like there are the games that exist. Where team just stroke the ball around the field and like don't even create a big chance, but that happens less than the number of times that teams pack it in and try to execute a perfect, perfect, defensive counterattacking side. So- like, and we've seen it in history; those teams that win it, yeah, but not as frequent as teams like. There's a reason City has won the league nine times. But in there's a reason
3: league. why they lost the Champions League or have not made it to the final and won it. There's there a reason the why final.
2: Barcelona,
1: even though. We know the players they have, how much possession they have each game, why they don't win games. There's
3: a reason why PSG also can't really make it in the Champions League.
1: That's it. And that's it. That's PSG is a, a, a team that goes, that goes with you because they're a counterattack team with Neymar like Mbappe. They play off the counter, but it doesn't work out for them. They got dominated by Bayern Munich, who plays total football. Like you're saying, I'm saying you can't always judge that. I mean, it's, it's unfair
3: to the argument. Also, trading who blows, who, play, who, who did Liverpool play in the 2019 final in the Champions League?
0: Was that the carrier Nobody knows.
3: You know knows, knows why? Because the Because Liverpool, Liverpool won the game. Another quarter in the swear jar. My point is no one cares about how a team played. They care about who won and what trophy they won. Yeah. They
0: played Tottenham, by yeah. the who way. Packed <laughs> who packed it in? Who packed it in? Literally, I didn't even know. I it already, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, was that us or was that before?
3: So that's that ends the argument there. This day.
0: all stems. This all stems from just Jalen being like, "Man, I'm just tired of the disrespect. That's all. Would you just stop? Would you just put some respect on Madrid for once and for all?" Just Let this think, man win I don't think. I don't think
2: Madrid play as defensive a game play. Like, yes, they do, but like even in the game against City, I use Madrid they were, as
1: an example. But there's other teams. They're that play not that like
2: same. a notorious pack it in counter attacking team. I wouldn't say Real Madrid. We
1: we we base our whole identity off guys
2: not, running down the wing. Only against <laughs> only against big teams though. You know, it's also funny. it's.
0: It, I will say it's cre- like saying like it's a classic packet in team right away. I'm like, oh that's probably Burnley, and then you're like, it's Madrid. Madrid. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just get out of here with a draw, guys. Just kick the ball down the field. <laughs> Try and find oh, Ronaldo. Man. Try and find Ronaldo. Oh
1: wait, it's Woot <laughs> Wetacox. <well, guys. laughs>
0: yeah. Well, hey, listen, it's Halloween uh, the weekend time, guys. Uh, we all picked ours in the beginning, but maybe it's switched up in the time. Can I go first? Uh, go do it, rip it up.
3: Trossard's back pass
0: to uh, Aaron Ramsdale. Oh. oh, that wasn't mine, actually. Andrew, salt in the wound, my man. Yeah. and against buddy. his Nothing. his former club. Was, yeah, and, 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 and not only his former club, but a club that he made sort of a big uh, hubbub when he was trying <laughs> to leave too. So, yeah. and
1: that's when we were unsure of Deserby too. We were like, "Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." trossard has been a beast.
0: No, I think we.
3: I was on his. I was on Deserby's side. I think
1: insane. afterwards we were, but yeah. I think at first we were like, "What the hell?" Yeah.
3: Like, who is his asshole? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
0: I would do unspeakable things for Deserby as a manager, man. he's His stock only doubles each week when I watch Brighton play, and then when I see him on the touchline. Oh, man, it would be a dream come true. Okay, who's up next? I mean, mine was the same.
2: It was the like irony of football and the fact that Trossard had the turnover. Yeah, it wasn't a back pass. It wasn't a back pass. Yeah, It, wasn't a back it pass. was an outside-of-the-foot yeah. flick from Ramsdale That's that, what that what hit, hit the shin of the Brighton player, and then... Undav, undav, man, undav, undav, man. But uh, I like the
0: commitment to the pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, what a lunk that guy
2: is. But that was mine. <laughs> um, yeah. It? The irony of football. The oh, mine was team.
1: the game. We watched today. Mine was uh Fais.
2: Woot. 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 That guy's got it was a lot the, of howlers to his
1: name. It right? was a, uh, who played that ball? Was it Henderson? I don't know. It was just an absolute, just belter down the field. Who was one like running with it, and he just let it touch the ground for no reason. Like he like ran by it, which I mean, I, I guess if he can't make the like I don't know. the calculated clearance, like I, I, I just don't. He, think
3: tries it, to get, he tries to get behind it to clear it, rather than like clearing it. But like it he didn't more.
1: try to clear; it. he literally just let it bounce. Like he didn't do anything to the ball. Like he literally just stared at it, and then Liverpool's Curtis Jones scored his. Second goal, which was offsides, but It way. wasn't offsides. We, boot, Connor, bro. Connor you won. could see his boot right as the but ball. Connor. Connor we, we sorry it was offsides.
2: I'm trying to freak uh,
0: out. <laughs> my hollow of the weekend is the Premier League scheduling. I know that sounds sort of funky at first, but I mean, I don't recall a time this season where I've looked at the table and anybody has played even remotely a similar <laughs> amount of games. I made sure to look at the other leagues, too, so I didn't sound like an asshole when I was going through this, but... Everybody in Serie A has played the same amount of games. Everybody in Bundesliga has played the same amount of games. There was some variance in La Liga, but it was never more than one game. We got Brighton on 34 games. Uh, some are on 36. Some people are on 35. Arsenal and Man City are on t- two different levels of games right now. I know that there's bad schedule congestion. I'm privy to that, and I get that things don't always work out as you do when you put them in the planner. But good lord can we all be on the same page for any stretch amount of time this season it's like at least the bottom of the table gets it right where all those teams have played a similar amount but i'm so tired of looking at the premier league table and everybody has a different amount of games it's like brighton are ahead of us but they have two games in hand so like finish above us or don't but this whole like waiting thing and then random games going on again i I love a random game during the week to enjoy but, but at the same time it's like can we can we pick a schedule and adhere to it, please? I know there's congestion, yeah. but I see other leagues doing a better job. And as somebody who constantly runs his mouth and says the Premier League is the best league on the planet, uh, our scheduling is far from the best. We're like fifth of the five major leagues. <laughs> it looks like right well, now. So
1: one reason for sure is the Queen. Yeah, uh, when she for sure. away, when she passed away. But then, like, do the but like everyone has their own domestic cups like they all like why is it that like yeah why is it getting moved around why is so it much? get like i it's guess
2: fa cup games are played on weekends yeah
1: <sighs> so does that mean they play like other leagues are like during the week like why wouldn't they adopt that style is it because of champions league like i have no idea
3: that's something look, at all, no yeah, point, I, don't in, know. Yeah.
0: I, I know that it's not an easy fix. I, I Someone gets know, paid
2: enough money this, to fucking fix it, <laughs> and they don't. Counter
0: amen to that. That's exactly my point yeah. in all this. Oh, is your job hard right now? Are you having trouble finding <laughs> gratitude in your work today? You get paid millions to make Premier League schedules. Guys, let's get these games going. It's almost the end of the season, and everybody's played a different amount of games. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Yeah,
2: Poor shit. Rebecca Lowe has had to say every week for the, how many weeks. But Manchester City have one game in hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it becomes like this annoying asterisk, you have oh, to yeah. say, anytime, anytime you look at the table or it's like, oh, well, we could beat you, but they have a game in hand. And it's like the fact that I know now some teams form when they have games in hand is good or bad. Now that's like it's such a common thing from like the holiday period. I'm like, yeah, but Liverpool are pretty good when they have games in hand or like, man, Spurs do not play well when they have a bunch of games. Arsenal in hand, don't so. play well when they have games in <laughs> hand. <laughs> Clearly, Arsenal don't play well with that's games true. in hand, but – yeah, that's my gripe, but I sound like the old guy yelling, get off my lawn. So this is <laughs> probably time to call it.
3: That's episode 170. We'll see you all very soon. Thank you for joining the Howlers podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. See you all soon. Bye-bye.